Thank you, Isaac, for doing such a good job this morning. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. We've got a good group this morning for our breakfast class, and it's good to see all of you today. And uh, we've got a big week this week, and we're looking forward to having a group sing here all the way from Ireland. And uh, we'd love to have everybody come to that uh, Friday at uh, 7 o'clock, so clear your schedule. You'll want to see this group. Uh, they are here for a spiritual purpose as well. Uh, they come to promote peace and tolerance, and certainly that's something that we need in this time and age now is peace. And uh, so be here. Plan on being here this Friday. It's my prayer for all of you, and for myself, that we know Christ. And all I can say for myself is the difference that Christ has made in my own life. And I hope that all of you know that difference and that relationship that you can have with Jesus Christ. And it is also my prayer, not only for you, to know Christ. But it's also my desire and my prayer that the world know Christ. And I think that every generation faces this, this job that it is to, to, to tell people the gospel. And you know, someone once said that God doesn't have any grandchildren. That when it speaks in the New Testament, when it speaks in the Bible, it's always God and His children. And so you can't get that relationship by absorbing your parents' relationship. You can't get that relationship with God by absorbing your grandparents' relationship. And so it's the work of every generation And boy, does this world need Christ. Think about it. What a difference it would be if people truly knew the Lord and His teaching. And not just merely gave lip service to His name and to His teaching. Think about it. If actually people knew and would practice, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If people actually did that, what do you think would happen to this world? Just think if people truly knew the love that God has for every person on this earth. Just think if every person knew the true grace of God, if tr people truly knew Jesus, do you think it would change? Do you think that we would be talking about nuclear war? Would we be talking about starving children? Would we be talking about homeless in one of the richest cities in Tennessee? Would we be talking about any of that if people truly knew Jesus? And boy, it's, there's never been a time. And it's upon this generation to proclaim the truth of who Jesus is. The truth of His love. The truth 
of who He is. I'm reminded of some words that Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4. He said this, Therefore, since we have this ministry, we have this ministry, and it says, As we have received mercy, the ministry that we have as Christians is because we have been shown that mercy. God has shown you mercy. You know His grace. You know His mercy. And because of that, you want to share that with other people. Sharing the gospel has been compared to two beggars sharing a piece of bread. And ultimately, that's what it is, isn't it? Two people spiritually in need sharing something. Paul says, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart because this is the ministry. But then he begins to describe some things. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifesting the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Listen to this. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Have we forgotten that people are perishing? That souls are perishing. And guess what? It doesn't just happen in eternity. The fires of hell are not just reserved for eternity. No, they begin in this life. People perish in this life too. Not only in the world to come, but in this life. That's why you see children disadvantaged. That's why you see crime on the rise. That's why you see murder in the streets. That's why you see war. Because people are perishing now. And people need Christ. Listen to it. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. There's blinded people out there. Who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them. People need that light, don't they? The light of His hope, the light of His peace, the light of His truth. For we do not preach ourselves. I'm not up here to tell you about myself or about what I can do for you, because I can't. But it says, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. It's about Christ. That's what the world needs. Listen to this. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you want hope, if you want peace, if you want truth, it's in the face of Jesus Christ. No other place. Without Christ, this world is dying with no hope. But here's the point I want to make to you today. And I hope I can make it very clear. Is that the need that people have 
for Christ. And we all know it's true, right? Does anybody want to argue with me on that one? Do people need Jesus? The same need that people have for Christ is the same need they have for His church. And a lot of people have tried to separate the two. They try to separate Jesus from His church. And you can't do it. You can't do it. Just as much as people need Jesus Christ, they need His church. And that means His church has to be what it's supposed to be. But the need for Christ is the need for His church. You can't divorce the two. You can't separate it. You can't cut them in half. And that brings us to our reading, to our Scripture, that when Jesus and when God's Word compares what the church is, it says that we are His body. That the church is the body of Jesus Christ. Now you can't get any more intimate than that, can you? So if people need Jesus, they need His body. If people need Jesus, they need His church. And, and that's a responsibility. Teresa of Abilene said it like this. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which He looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which He walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which He blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. Yours are His body. <coughs> Christ has no body now on earth but yours. That's who the church is. That we are the body of Jesus Christ. And that whatever His mission was on earth, that is the mission of this church. That is the mission of, of each of us individually and collectively. So think about how intimate of relationship that is with Jesus Christ. Paul said it like this, for we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. We are the presence of Jesus Christ in this world. We are the tangible presence of Jesus Christ. And there's no other group or organization that has been charged with that responsibility. There's lots of good groups out there. There's lots of nonprofits out there. But none of them are the church. None of them are the presence of God on earth. And ultimately, that's what the church is supposed to be. But what happens? The church gets caught up. G.K. Chesterton said it like this. We do not want, as the newspapers say, a church that will move with the world. But we want a church that will move the world. People want to change the church. 
And if you try to change the church, then you're trying to change who? Jesus Christ. And what I read in the New Testament is that Jesus Christ is immutable, that His truth is immutable, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and His church is too. That it is to stand for love, it is to stand for compassion, it is to stand for the truth of who He is and and what He desires for us. The body of Christ, the role of Christ within the church is Christ as the head. That means we look to Jesus, we look to His words, we look to His teachings to guide us here in this place and in our lives outside of this place. It says that Christ has been given preeminence. He is the head of all things, the head of the church. So we look to Him for our direction and for what we do. And also the function of the church can be found in the person of Jesus. So what are we supposed to do? Well, what did Jesus do? Number one, what did He do with His eyes? He saw. In fact, it says in Matthew 9, 36, but when He saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion for them. How many of us turn our eyes away from the suffering. It's so much easier to do so, isn't it? It's easy to look away. But when we look in the Gospels and when we look at the life of Jesus, it says that He saw the multitude and had compassion on them. So it's a challenge to the church to see, to really see what's going on. To see the hurt, to see the loss, to see the suffering. And to have compassion. What about our Lord's ears? Are we listening? It says in Mark chapter 10, 46, this was outside of Jericho and blind Bartimaeus, it says he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out and the Lord heard him. The Lord used His ears and and the church needs to use our ears. That we need to listen for the need, every one of us. His disciples warned Him to try to get Him to quieten up. Sometimes that's what we do, isn't it? Hey, don't cry out so much. But Christ heard His plea, heard His cry and helped Him. What about Jesus' mouth? It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 2, that He opened His mouth and taught them, saying that the church's obligation is to teach, to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we'll get criticized for it. Someone, it's, it's kind of ironic too, because someone will try to convince you that Hey, why are you trying to disciple somebody? And in the meantime, they're trying to disciple you out of discipling. They're trying to teach you out of teaching. Hey, don't do that. But yet you're trying to get me to do something yourself. The Bible says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And when people hear the good news of Jesus, it betters their life. It's light. 
It's like going around saying that you don't want to teach kids math. I don't want kids to know math. That's just putting something on them that they shouldn't have to do. But is math good for them? Is it important to know that 2 plus 2 equals 4? It does when you start counting your money, doesn't it? Even more when you start counting your days. But the gospel, it's not just as important, it's more important. It's the job of the church to teach, to use our mouths and to be the body of Christ. Think about the hands of Jesus. There's a a time where the disciples came to the Lord and they couldn't cast out an evil spirit. They said, we don't know what's going on with this kid. In fact, the kid would throw himself into the water, throw himself into the fire because of this evil spirit, and the evil spirit was literally trying to kill him. And it says that in Mark chapter 9, 27, listen to it, but Jesus took him by the hand took him by his hand and lifted him up and he arose. Think about the work of Jesus' hands that even when he saw the lepers, he touched them, he helped them. And we as his body, as his presence, need to use these hands that God has graced us with. Think about the feet of Christ carrying the burdens the burden of the cross, the burden of the world. Think about the heart of Christ. That's who the church is. We are the body, the presence of Jesus on this earth. So how does the church relate to itself? Well, Romans gives us that in Romans chapter 12. And the first thing it gives us in verse 4 is, For as we have many members in one body, the first thing that God tells us about His church in Romans 12 is is that it's supposed to be unified. Unified. The psalmist of gold said, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. The church is to be unified in that mission, in that vision of who Jesus is and what He wants us to do in this world. We have the commonality of our confession. We confess the same thing, that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is Savior. In fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12.3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We have that confession, that one confession together. It unifies us under the banner of His name. The commonality of our baptism. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one Spirit we are baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and have all been made to drink of one Spirit. The church is to be unified in the name of Jesus Christ. But, just like a body, we don't all look the same. We don't all have the same function in the body, right? Your eyes don't hear, do they? Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about how the body has different parts for different functions, for different purposes. 
And so all of us, that diversity brings strength, doesn't it? Because I can't do it all and you can't do it all and that's why we need each other. There has to be diversity within His church for us to accomplish what He wants us to accomplish. God has set many members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleases. Not everyone's a preacher. Not everyone's a Bible student. Not everyone can give like some folks. But God has a purpose and a function for each person in His body in His church. I don't know if you've ever heard of this little story. But it kind of illustrates sometimes what happens in churches with the diversity and what happens among members. It's called the rebellion of the stomach. It's kind of interesting, and I think you might find maybe a lesson in this. Listen to this. Once a man had a dream in which his hands and his feet and his mouth and brain all began to rebel against his stomach. You're good for nothing, sluggard, the hand said. We work all day, sawing and hammering and lifting and carrying. By evening, we're covered with blisters and scratches, and our joints ache, and we're covered with dirt. And meanwhile, you just sit there hogging all the food. We agree, cried the feet. Think how sore we get walking back and forth all day long and you just stuff yourself full, you greedy pig, so that you're much heavier to carry about. That's right, whined the mouth. Where do you think all that food you love comes from? I'm the one who has to chew it all up. And as soon as I'm finished, you suck it all down for yourself. Do you call that fair? And what about me, called the brain? Do you think it's easy being up here having to think about where your next meal is going to come from, and yet I get nothing for all of my pains? And one by one, the parts of the body joined the complaint against the stomach, which didn't say anything at all. I have an idea, the brain finally announced. Let's rebel against that lazy belly and stop working for it. Superb idea, all the members and the organs agree. We'll teach you how important we are, you pig. Then maybe you'll do a little work of your own. So they all stopped working. The hands refused to do the lifting and carrying. The feet refused to walk. The mouth promised not to chew or swallow a single bite. And the brain swore he wouldn't come up with any more bright ideas. At first, the stomach growled a bit as it always did when it was hungry. But after a while, it went quiet. Then to the dreaming man's surprise, he found he could not walk. He could not grasp anything in his hand. He could not even open his mouth and suddenly began to feel rather ill. The dream seemed to go on for several days. As each day passed, the man felt worse and worse. This rebellion had better not last much longer, he thought to himself, or I'll starve. Meanwhile, the hands and the feet and the mouth and the brain just lay there getting weaker and weaker and weaker. At first, they roused themselves just enough to taunt the stomach every once in a while. But before long, they didn't even have the energy for that. Finally, the man heard a faint voice coming from the direction of his feet. It could be that we're all wrong, they said. We suppose the stomach might have been working in his own way 
all along. I was just thinking the same thing, murmured the brain. It's true that he's been getting all the food, but it seems he's been sending most of it right back to us. We might as well admit our error, the mouth said. The stomach had just as much work to do as the hands and the feet, the brains and the teeth. Then let's get back to work, they cried together. And at that, the man woke up. To his relief, he discovered he could walk again. His hands could grasp, his mouth could chew, his brain could not think as clearly. He began to feel better. Well, there's a lesson for me, he thought, and he filled his stomach at breakfast. Either we all work together or nothing works at all. And isn't that the church? Either we work together or nothing works at all. God has called us into a community of believers where we all function, where we all are diverse, but we work towards a common goal. We're interdependent. So what do we do? We know the the need is real. So today we should renew ourselves to that mission. The mission of the work and presence of Jesus Christ in this world. The world needs Jesus. And it's His church that brings Jesus to the people. It's a solemn responsibility. But it's an honor and a privilege to do so, to work and to be the body of Jesus Christ. And the thing is, you can't have Christ without His church. But you can have church without Christ. And so this church needs to be a church of Jesus Christ, doesn't it? So we need to renew ourselves to His teaching, to His work, and to who He is. So today, let's renew our spirits and begin again. Today, if you're not a Christian, then you're not a part of that body, the church. And the Bible says that to become a part of His church, His body, that first of all, you have to believe that it's faith that begins to bring you to Christ. And that hearing the Word of God produces that faith. You repent of those sins that you see damage your life, damage your community, damage your home. You turn from those sins and say, Lord, I I come to You. Even though I come empty-handed, I'm coming to You. I repent. I turn from those things. And I confess You to be the Son of the living God. You're the only one who can help me. I don't have it in me. I don't have enough faith, enough strength, enough of anything. I need You, Lord. And then be baptized into His body. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ and put on Christ, for by one Spirit are you baptized into His body, the church. And because of His work, those sins are forgiven. The Bible says you begin to walk in the light with Him. To be His presence on earth. To love like He did. To talk like He did. To be Jesus in this world. Let's do that this week. If you have any need, we're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So if you have any need, won't you come now as together we stand as we sing.